Good evening. Welcome to Greg Kelly Reports. I'm Carl Higby in for him. He'll be back on Tuesday. I'll be here Monday again. Folks, you know why Joe Biden is failing? Aside from the fact that he himself has absolutely no idea what he's doing, he's surrounded himself with a some of the least qualified people to run some very critical departments. These same folks who hammered Trump as too inexperienced to be the president and then criticized him for hiring people like Ben Carson. Oh, he has no experiencing in housing, remember? This nomination is just weird, even before you consider all the ways in which Ben Carson seems to have a kind of disconnect with reality. My initial reaction is as a Washington insider was, how can you put somebody at HUD who's never been in that field? He's a doctor. What policy knowledge does he have? Ben Carson has no qualifications in housing and urban development and no expertise in that field whatsoever. He has never worked in that field or shown an interest in it. Dr. Carson, much like Donald Trump, is unqualified for the position that he's seeking. I mean, Ben Carson was one of the world's greatest brain surgeons. He could do that job with his eyes closed. The media went bananas about Jared Kushner. The reason why Jared doesn't speak is he doesn't have to. He's never had to ask for anything. He didn't have the grades or SAT scores to get into Harvard, but then his father gave Harvard two and a half million dollars and they suddenly realized that Jared was Ivy League material after all. <laughs> One clue your enrollment may not be entirely merit-based when your acceptance letter comes with a receipt. <laughs> okay, fair criticism. And I, you know, look, Jared may not be the guy I have a lot of com in common with personally, but you can't deny his success rate. He's the guy that got the U.S. Embassy moved to Jerusalem, the USMCA trade deal done. Much of the negotiations on criminal justice reform were done by him, and even peace in the Middle East, folks. So experience mattered so much to the legacy media then. Where are they now? I want to unpack some of these super qualified Biden appointees. Look at this. I got to start with my favorite diversity hire here, and that's Kamala Harris, the vice president. Justice at the bar, this is the woman who prosecuted thousands of people for minor drug offenses and then went on a podcast and bragged about smoking weed. Have you ever smoked? I have. Okay. Like and I, and I inhaled. I did inhale. I did inhale. It was a long time ago. <laughs> but yes. Uh, never mind, she can't name one single accomplishment she has had in her life. No, I was serious, serious, serious. I asked a liberal that I know to name an accomplishment. And you know what her answer was? Well, she's been elected to a ton of positions. Being elected to a position is, is not a, a qualification. What you do with that position is what I'm interested in. And in Kamala's case, that is nothing. She's done nothing with the positions she's had. Being present in Washington, D.C., or any other elected office for that matter, is not a qualification. Diversity certainly isn't a qualification. This woman is, Janet Yellen, concrete proof that education does not constitute intelligence. Janet Yellen is the Treasury Secretary. Listen to this. She chaired the Federal Reserve from 2014 to 2018, as, as well as being a professor at Haas School of Business, that left-wing Berkeley, no, no less. But she, yet she is a textbook example that you can study all day long and still not know a thing you're talking about. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen admits surging inflation is not acceptable, but claims the economy would have been worse without Biden's lavish spending. The, really? You think the economy would have been worse off? If Are you kidding me? In what world is spending $7 trillion of money, we basically printed out of thin air a good idea? I'm sure that didn't affect skyrocketing inflation at all. Right. The, the liberal academic class has no idea what they're doing. Here's another good one. 
Pete Buttigieg, another pseudo-diversity hire. You know what's good when he took two months off for paternity leave for a child he didn't father with a husband that didn't give birth and no one noticed. He is the transportation secretary. He couldn't fix a pothole in his hometown when he was mayor of South Bend, Indiana. He has done nothing of value in his career. In fact, he's actually done the opposite. His biggest self-proclaimed accomplishment when he was mayor was to actually give illegal immigrants community resident cards so they could access municipally funded programs, i.e. he gave his constituents tax dollars to people who willingly break the law. Sweet. Now this dude is in charge of transportation. And, and by the way, this is why goods are not getting transported to the markets. I mean, gee, who could have possibly seen that coming? Okay, some of these positions are more novelty than others, but the Department of Defense is kind of important. It's like the single thing that you really don't want to hire a bad guy for. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Now, look, on paper, he seems super qualified. Okay, four-star general, whatever. He's a dangerous hire, and I'm about to prove it to you. Former four-star general with very little success in any high-level command he held. Oh, by the way, this excludes his lucrative board position at defense contractor Raytheon, by the way. Austin was the architect of the Iraq withdrawal. Look at how that turned out. Biden says he, choo- he chose Austin because of that. Hmm. Okay, so you hired a guy because he screwed up? What? Troops were killed due to poor rules of engagement and mismanagement of how we were doing the withdrawal. And we lost the whole country and created ISIS. Biden said, pulling that off took more than just the skill and strategy of a seasoned soldier. It required Austin to practice diplomacy, building relationships with our Iraqi counterparts counterparts, and our partners in the region. Oh yeah, Biden, really? How are those relationships now? Right, ISIS cut off their heads and imposed Sharia law. Super job, Lloyd. Look, folks, I was there during the withdrawal in 2009. It was a complete disaster. I wouldn't hire this guy for dog catcher. And then they let him run another major withdrawal. He did it again in Afghanistan. Dead troops, now terrorists are running the country. Great choice, Joey B. Really good job. And now we have the same guy running the Defense Department that during what could potentially be a war between nuclear powers. Folks, we can't afford to have this leader in who has botched every command he's had. Now he's leading what could potentially be a war against Russia. No thanks. Look, Biden is already a disaster in a vacuum. And as Robert Gates, Obama's Secretary of Defense, said Biden has been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades. Yikes. He sent cash to Iraq, didn't take China seriously. He actually put his son on a board of some companies and took private equity funding from them. He didn't agree with killing bin Laden. Combine this with just a few of the crazies he has appointed. It's no wonder we have record inflation, empty shelves, and the world is literally falling apart, folks. Joe Biden has cosmically bad judgment on nearly everything. And on top of all that, we're facing a potential Cold War-style conflict with these people as his advisors on everything from war to borders to monetary policy to energy. Russia has a nuclear weapon aimed at Alaska, and we're hiring animal bondage activists to manage our nuclear waste. Folks, we're firing troops for not getting a vaccine that doesn't even stop you from getting the virus. The healthiest people in the world, mind you. I mean, good grief. We need to get these adults back in the room. Especially now. I mean, with tensions between Russia and Ukraine at an all-time high, this is another ridiculous Biden pick is at the center of it. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, who is woefully 
unprepared for his role on the world stage. He seems to worry about everyone else's feelings and for weeks has been spouting the same weak lines. The president, uh, Chuck, has made clear to, to President Putin on, on, on two occasions, in Geneva, uh, when they met some months ago, and then just this week at the, uh, in the video conference that I took part in, uh, that, look, our strong preference would be for a more stable, predictable relationship with Russia. Our strong preference is a diplomatic uh, resolution of this, uh, of this challenge. But ultimately, that's, uh, that's up to Russia. We uh, exchanged uh, some ideas. We'll be sharing uh, with the Russians uh, in writing not only our concerns, but some ideas for uh, a way forward that could enhance mutual security right. on a reciprocal basis. We are laying it out in great detail with the hope that by sharing what we know with the world, we can influence Russia to abandon the path of war and choose a different path. I mean, for love of God, folks, this is the guy, he sent a sternly worded letter to Putin, and that's going to make a former KGB agent really come around to America's ways, right? That, that, this guy is a wimp. That's not how you protect American interest. And it also may be why Russia doesn't really take us seriously anymore. We'll talk more about this. We're joined by Congressman Scott Perry, Republican from Pennsylvania and chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. Congressman, appreciate you being here. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah, so I was just talking about this, like every single person around, not only, look, we know Biden is a dumpster fire, but every person around him has no accomplishments to, that I can really point to for just about anything. Is that any wonder we're failing on the global stage so poorly? Well, we're all a reflection of the people that we put around us, I think, especially as leaders, as you know, you served in the military, you find people that you trust, you emplace them in positions of authority to get things done, and then you trust them. And if you look at President Biden's picks, many people say, well, um, it's incompetence, it's yeah. ignorance that has the, these failures occurring. It is not incompetence, it's not ignorance. When you look at Amarova, the Comptroller General nominee, uh, who went to Moscow University on a Lenin scholarship. If you look at Chipman, who was going to head uh, the ATF, a person that's that's outwardly opposed to any firearm ownership in the private sector whatsoever. We could go on and on with the, with the president's picks. They are leftists, and they're looking to change the very fabric of the country. Mm -hmm. It is not incompetence. It's not ignorance. It is by design. I remember that the Chipman interviews on, on Capitol Hill and he couldn't even name, he couldn't even define the type of weapon he was trying to ban. But anyway, so look, Biden earlier today, right. seemingly right. pretty convinced. I mean, like shockingly convinced that a Russian invasion was imminent. Listen to this. Because Putin knows if I... That President Putin is going to invade Ukraine. Is that what you just said a few moments yes, ago? Yes, I did. That's pretty bold. I mean, two things here, Congressman. One, why would we project that we have this kind of knowledge? Does that burn, burn sources and things like that? And two, um, is he jumping the gun a little bit? Because Ukraine is not as convinced. Yeah, I would agree. certainly you served, and anybody that serves understand Russia's hybrid. The things they're doing are all things to be expected. In a, and of course, if feigning an attack, they're still going to do those things to try and get the negotiating things that they're negotiating for, which is exactly what happens. It's happening. Look, this uh, this crisis, if you will, has all been created by President Joe Biden. In May, he, he uh, disregarded the waiver or gave the waiver on Nord Stream 2 so they could continue with certification of that. It allows Russia to extort not only Europe, but the rest of the world. And you look at the price of fuel uh, worldwide, globally, the price of fuel up, you're paying for it at the pump. 
And that's that is actually Russia is a petrol economy. It's yep. literally the size of Italy. Yet, uh, you know, we're fueling what's allowing Russia to have one hundred and ninety thousand troops on the Ukrainian border. And certainly that rhetoric out of uh, President Biden plays right into the propaganda of Vladimir Putin. So yeah. uh, I'm not sure they are going to evade, quite honestly, especially when when President Biden and the European countries like Germany are our NATO allies are giving them everything they want without yep. an, an invasion. Yeah, no, it, it, literally, we just we, we abandoned our embassy right there in in Ukraine. And that's kind of says everything we need to say about how this re, this administration is going to react. But listen to this classic promise from Biden in 2020 campaign. Because Putin knows if I am president of the United States, his days of tyranny and trying to intimidate the United States and those in Eastern Europe are over. I'm going to stand up to him. He's a bully, just like the president. And I know he doesn't want me to be president. But to tell you what, when I'm president, things are going to change. Broadcasting live from his basement, Joey B on the non-campaign campaign trail. I mean, harsh words, not really reality, no? Well, things really have changed, haven't they? Uh, uh, Vladimir Putin watched our uh, our dismal withdrawal from Afghanistan, humiliating uh, uh, defeat for the United States of America. And he said, well, I think it's time to roll now. Let's see what we can get to reestablish the old Soviet Union, because we've got a guy in office in the United States of America that isn't going to do a darn thing. And when you absolutely, when he relieved the sanctions on Nord Stream 2, when he relieved the sanctions on on the essentially the CEO of Nord Stream 2. That certainly was a green light for Vladimir Putin that everything was on the table for the taking. And now he's interested in taking it again. This is all made by President Joe Biden, who talks tough, but absolutely does nothing. And, and you know, look, the emperor has no clothes now and the world knows it, which is really, really dangerous, not only for us, but for all of our allies and specifically Taiwan with China watching exactly what's happening with Israel, with Iran watching exactly what's happening, and with Western Europe, with uh, with Vladimir Putin amassing troops on the on the NATO borders of NATO. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Congressman Scott Perry from Pennsylvania, I appreciate you joining us tonight on this, sir. We'll, uh, we'll be talking to you soon. All right, so Trump derangement syndrome has the left on a never-ending witch hunt. A Manhattan judge delivering a blow to President Trump in his fight against New York Attorney General's investigation into the Trump organizations. We're going to cover that in a minute. All right, so the never-ending witch hunt of the 45th president of the United States continues a Manhattan judge ruling yesterday that Donald Trump, Ivanka, and Donald Trump Jr. must all testify in New York Attorney General Letitia James's investigation into the Trump Organization. Now, they're required to comply within 21 days of the court order, and of course, New York AG Letitia James has made countless promises to take down Trump while campaigning for office. So, what do you make of this? New York Representative Lee Zeldin is here. Congressman, appreciate you being here. It's always great to be with you, Carl. All right. So Letitia James literally campaigned on taking down Donald Trump, said he's going to be a real pain in his expletive. So uh, when you have this happen, what's your reaction to the fact that they're now ordered by the Trumps are now ordered by court to go testify under oath about, well, it's kind of open ended at this point, no? So this investigation was actually delegitimized before it was even launched. As you have pointed out, 
you had the attorney general going back to her campaign saying, hey, if you elect me, then I will go after the Trumps for some unknown crime. I don't even know what it is that I will be investigating. I will use the power of my office. This will be the highest priority to try to take down Donald Trump for anything or anyone associated uh, with President Trump. That's not the way that people should be earning the power of positions like the attorney general of the state of New York. And then you have other people where you know that they committed crimes and you're not getting accountability, like all of the examples of crimes committed by those, whether it's Andrew Cuomo or people in his administration and around them. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I'm, I appreciate you covering this, but <laughs> this was delegitimized before it was even started. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you and I believe that because we're rational, sane human beings. But when you have somebody like Letitia James is, who, who has done this, I mean, it's like, shouldn't we? We live in a country where the way the justice system used to work is you would see somebody do something wrong and then you would investigate those wrongdoings. But now she's like, well, he's Donald Trump, so he must have done something wrong. So I'm going to dig and I'm going to subpoena and I'm going to do everything I can to find something that he may have done wrong. Right. Yeah, so this is 2022 while we're having this conversation. And when this election for attorney general is going on in 2018, the first midterm of Donald Trump's presidency, there was this pledge out there to resist, oppose, impeach, and obstruct everything and anything. There still wasn't the first impeachment of President Trump yet. And people were getting elected to office, getting elected to the House of Representatives, uh, getting elected to positions like attorney general where the only pledge that mattered for their base was to pledge to oppose, resist, impeach, and obstruct everything and anything. And yeah. uh, it's the opposite of what's productive and right. And one could even argue that this is her mandate, because this was like the only issue I remember her running on. It doesn't make it right. It, it's still an abuse of power. But I'll tell you what, there were a whole lot of New York voters November 2018 who said, I am voting for her to take down Donald Trump, and I don't even care what it is that you take him down for. I can't think of a single crime that he's responsible for. Yeah. Show me the man, I'll show you the crime. I believe that was a uh, KGB agent that said that, not an American. So uh, that, that that is a thing. So Trump's not actually not the only one involved in a fight with it, with this whole thing. CBS reports that former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo is to file a professional misconduct complaint against the New York Attorney General for selectively redacting information. I mean, this is including misleading information on Cuomo's sexual harassment report last year. Can you believe this? Someone on the other side that's supposed to be on her team is filing another misconduct? Andrew Cuomo went down in flames last summer. It, in large part, had a lot to do with uh, these women who were coming up with serious allegations of abuse. Andrew Cuomo, uh, he's been the type of guy, that's the way he governed, through intimidation, abuse, harassment, uh, and it came back and it bit him. And on top of it, it was a narrative that was fitting for many Democrats because it distracted away from a nursing home policy that was deadly, right. a cover-up that followed, that would implicate a bunch of other blue state governors as well because mm -hmm. they were implementing similar policies in their own state. On top of the deadly nursing home order and cover-up, you have the $5.1 million self-congratulatory book deal. He uses taxpayer-funded staff to help write it. Yeah. And the testing preferential treatment to their family and friends in the administration 
All these other narratives got uh, overshadowed right. by the report that took Cuomo down. And, and now Cuomo wants to uh, come back and run for office again. Yeah. Real quick, I got to go to this. Uh, Biden spoke earlier about an update on Ukraine. Listen. The fact remains, Russian troops currently have Ukraine surrounded from Belarus along the Russian border and with Ukraine to the Black Sea in the south and all of its border. You know, look. We have reason to believe the Russian forces are planning to uh, and intend to attack Ukraine in the coming week, in the coming days. We believe that they will target Ukraine's capital, Kyiv, a city of 2.8 million innocent people. We're calling out Russia's plans loudly and repeatedly, not because we want a conflict, but because we're doing everything in our power to remove any reason that Russia may give to justify invading Ukraine and prevent them from moving. Yeah. Congressman, I mean, he basically just said, hey, we believe wholeheartedly as the United States of America that you're going to invade, that Russia's going to invade Ukraine. And he called it out, like about 20 seconds left. What do you make of this? For one, that, that's in fact possible that, that Russia might choose to do that. There's also the possibility that they are uh, trying to leverage this moment to try to secure concessions from NATO, from the United States, from Ukraine. Mm -hmm. uh, and we need to make sure that first and foremost, we're prioritizing American interests. My message to people in the Biden administration is, as you're looking in the mirror, reflecting on your day and your bandwidth, let's find more tomorrow to start talking a little bit more about our own borders. Uh, you have a whole lot yeah. of passion and nowhere for other countries' borders. Yeah, just concerning that we have a president that's, that touts so much information uh, as soon as he gets it. And, uh, you know, like, I just I worry about the security on a, on a global stage. Congressman Lee Zeldin, we appreciate you joining us, sir. Thank you, Carl. All right. Well, New York City is in bad shape, and to top it all off, crime is skyrocketing. This is all happening on Eric Adams' watch. You know, the guy who said he was going to clean it all up. What does he have to say about it? I have been doing a darn good job. Really? Well, apparently he is the Biden of Brooklyn, right? Well, we're going to be right back with more on that. Well, just when you thought the country couldn't see a worse mayor than Bill de Blasio, Eric Adams came along and here he is. Now, according to the NYPD, crime is up by 46.5% across all five boroughs. Crime is surging in this city and Eric Adams, you know, what he's doing in the Big Apple is not helping at all. But here's a self-checkup from the quote unquote narcissistically cool NYC mayor. If you want to acknowledge or not, I have been doing a darn good job. And we just can't live in this alternate reality. I'm just, I, I was blown away when I picked up the papers today. I, I, I just don't get it. I mean, there's a whole bunch of bragging and not a lot of doing, and that's what folks need. It sounds like a few other big Democratic mayors we know. Former NYPD Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick is here. Sir, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Carl. All right. So uh, what's your reaction to the fact that he's had no results and yet he goes out there and says he's doing a great job? Why does everybody hate me? Listen, he's a politician. Uh, the bottom line is that's what politicians do. Um, you know, we've seen over the last many years uh, things that have happened in this country that could not be more negative, And yet we have people like President Biden stand up at a podium and say everything's great. Bottom line is the country's falling to pieces, falling apart, and nobody wants to admit it. In this case, 
crime continues to go up. Uh, and many of the things that the mayor, Eric Adams, said he is going to do um, or would accomplish, uh, it's not there yet. And, mm -hmm. uh, and, and it just looks like it's getting worse. Yeah. I mean, look, I had high hopes for him. You know, not super high hopes. He's a Democrat. But, you know, at the same time, I saw him. He was like, look, I'm not going to be bullied by Black Lives Matter. I'm going to enforce laws and rules that are on the books. I was like, OK, I can get on board with this. It's not bad. But crime's out of control. Just this week, a victim by the name of uh, Yuna Lee was followed into her apartment building and stabbed 40 times. Another subway track attack occurred yesterday when the break dancer was stabbed in a completely unprovoked attack. This is like time and time again. If you're commissioner now, like you were uh, back during 9-11, what do you make a recommendation to Eric Adams to do? Well, the first thing I would have done is ask the mayor for more money, more cops, more training, more resources. You know, he recently put out his budget for the city, and I understand there was a substantial cut uh, to the NYPD. In today's day and age, there should be no cuts right. to the NYPD. In fact, there should be substantial increases because Bill de Blasio took a billion dollars out of that budget. So I, I don't know what the mayor's thinking. I don't think it's going to benefit him, the city, or the NYPD, and it shouldn't happen. Right. So it's like cause and effect. Cause, effect. When you take away money, policing gets worse. Speaking of, of cutting, you were talking about hiring more cops. Eric Adams fired 1,430 New York City workers for refusing to get the COVID jab. Uh, I mean, is his goal to just destroy the city? I mean, what is going on here? You know what's happening? And this is exactly what I told him. I've said to him and I've said publicly since he got elected, don't cower to the far left. Be a man. Stand mm -hmm. up. Do the job you're sworn to do. Do the right thing. That's all. Don't, yeah. You don't have to be political about it. Do the right thing. Do not cower to the left. And those terminations was a clear demonstration that he's cowering to the to the far left. Yeah, I, completely. Well, just yesterday, Publico, uh, Politico published this article on Eric Adams. It's actually funny. It's like the top 10 contradictions of New York City Mayor Eric Adams. We can scroll through them here. But one, he's a vegan who eats fish. He's a health nut who only sleeps a few hours a night. He's a blue collar guy who vacations in, in parties at private clubs. It just goes on and on. He paid for a trip on Bitcoin billionaire jet through a travel agent. He was a police captain yet doesn't trust the cops. Like the there's like 10 of these things. It is unbelievable what he has here. Uh, you know, Commissioner, if, if he claims to be one of the guys, one of the people, you know, I'm a cop just like you guys, I get it. Why is he just so detached in every policy decision he's made? Okay, keep in mind, and, and you know, a lot of people may not know this, um, and I don't think you do, but Eric Adams worked for me. Uh, he was a lieutenant when I was the police commissioner, and he wasn't a big fan of cops then. Um, he was really, truly aggressive uh, yeah. against the NYPD. He ran an organization called 100 Blacks in Law Enforcement. He was, you know, every police shooting he scrutinized. He was constantly attacking mm -hmm. uh, the police. And I, I hoped, I had hoped he got over that. I had hoped he got beyond that. He went beyond that. Um, you know, he now, he wanted to put the plainclothes cops back out in the streets to look for guns, but he wants to put them partially in uniform. Mm -hmm. um, you know, instead yeah. of increasing the police budget, he's decreasing the police budget. It's crazy. I don't know. It's uh, it's not what I anticipated and yeah. not what I'd hoped for. 
Yeah, no, I, I certainly had hoped for better, especially some of his campaign promises. They didn't come true, but he's a Democrat, so should we be surprised? Former NYPD Police Commissioner Bernie Carrick, thanks, sir. Thanks, Carl. All right. Now, the fight against big tech surveillance rages on how Facebook is in hot water for using facial recognition technology for over a decade, collecting personal da uh, data, and then using it for artificial intelligence. We're going to talk about that next. All right, so the state of Texas taking the fight to Facebook parent company Meta, which is so nicely named, over the privacy violations. Now, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton suing Meta, claiming the social giant invaded the privacy of Texans with facial recognition technology, which has been used in for a while, but now discontinued. The lawsuit states that Facebook finally claimed to have ceased its invasion of unlawful facial recognition practices in late 2021. By that point, however, it had spent more than a decade secretly exploiting Texans and their personal information to perfect its AI apparatus. There can be no free pass for Facebook. Texas Attorney General Ken Pax is here now. Sir, welcome back to the program. Hey, thanks for having me back. All right, so, um, you know, this was really not disclosed. Did anyone know this was going on at all? No, and that's that's the point. Texas law requires, it has since 2009, that if you're going to use biometric identifiers or you're going to take them from people, whether it's fingerprints or retinal scans or their Whatever. face geometry, you've got to disclose it and you've got to get consent. Yeah. Well, so, but that that seems to make sense for rational people like you and I. Like, I, w I wouldn't want to you know, have all my information. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to put my social security number on this website and it's available to anybody. I never gave consent for anybody to view it. I mean, it, it makes the, the same sense. But like, look, I'm not a big truster of computers. Like, look, I've seen all the Terminators. It generally ends up pretty bad for them. Um, how many people do you believe have actually been impacted by this data, though? So over 20 million are on Facebook from Texas. We don't know how many on Instagram. Plus, you don't have to be a Facebook user. You could just have your photo put on there by somebody else or video, and Facebook likely has captured your facial geometry. So, you know, we're talking 25, 30 million. Who knows? It's It, it could be the entire state. Wow. So that's like, that's a, a huge number of people. What are they doing with this data? Well, so this is interesting. You know, you talked about social security numbers or maybe a driver's license number. At least those you could replace. You could change if you, you know, it'd be a hassle, but you could replace them. Once they have your facial geometry or they have other bio, biometric identifiers, the genie's out of the bottle, especially since in this case, we think they shared it with third parties to use it for advertising right. purposes and they didn't destroy it the, the way they were supposed to. So we're talking a pretty large number of people and the damages are in the billions. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you can change your face. I mean, Bruce Jenner did, but uh, <laughs> what what kind of damages are they looking at? I mean, like this is like if you've leaked personal data, like you said, like irreparable harm to a lot of people here. Like, what kind of damages? I mean, Facebook is a giant, multi, multi, multi billion dollar company. Is this going to be a class action? Is everybody going to get like eleven dollars at the end of the day? Or are we talking serious, serious dollars? This is actually a state lawsuit, so it's twenty five thousand dollars per violation when they don't get consent. It's another $25,000 if they share the information without your consent. It's another 25,000 if they don't destroy the data in, in a timely manner. It's another $10,000 violation for deceptive trade practice. I mean, even for Facebook, that's, those numbers add up when you're talking 25, 30 million people. 
Okay, so that, that, those are huge numbers. Um, Special Counsel John, John Durham, I got to ask you about this being in the position you are, responded to a Clinton uh, campaign lawyer, Michael Sussman, that there was no basis to strike any part of his recent filing down despite a motion to do so. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think it's going to go forward? You know what? I, I think it should. I mean, whether we have a, a justice system that's going to actually look at the truth, I certainly hope we do. We've certainly seen it not happen in the past that Hillary Clinton has gotten a pass on all kinds of different things. It would be nice to find out what really happened so we can see exactly what Donald Trump was claiming, whether it was true. And we can also see what the Hillary campaign did during their, their run for president. Yeah. I mean, I'm everybody time and time again is always saying, like, lock her up. Let's do this. You know, like the, the problem is now is like we have pretty solid evidence that, you know, I, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know if it rises to espionage or even treason or something like that. But like Hillary Clinton's campaign paid somebody to infiltrate the White House. I mean, you think anybody's going to get perp walked on this? Uh, I think they should be. I mean, there's no doubt that if that if that's true, somebody needs to be held accountable. That's a pretty high level amount of espionage to, to get into and not have any type of consequence. Yeah, it, it, it does seem shocking to me that this wouldn't get uh, wouldn't get pushed up the line. But so she's recently come out and she's basically mocked this. I mean, this is what she does. She said, oh, like, look, this is Trump. His back is against the wall. So now he's blaming me for something like, hey, he's just such a fool. Uh, what, what would you say if you were advising Hillary Clinton at this point? Well, I would have told her a long time ago to start telling the truth. I, I think that's long since passed for her for her as an option. Um, so, you know, what does she have left? She has the option of lying about her, her past and about her future. Mm -hmm. I'd still tell her to, you know, let's let's face this. Let's face this with the truth. Yeah, well, you, you mentioned one thing there that Hillary Clinton is incapable of, and that's actually telling the truth. So um, that would have been a difficult client for you, sir. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxson, keep up the good fight. We appreciate what you're doing. Thanks, Carl. Have a great evening. All right, folks, what a week it was to watch the fake news. They ignored, I mean, they absolutely ignored the real news for days when it came to Durham. But then when they finally did, they decided to cover it. Well, look, we'll talk about that next. All right, so Biden spoke earlier today, giving an update on Ukraine, that the invasion is imminent, but he did suggest that it's not too late for Russia to solve this diplomatically. We will hold Russia accountable for its actions. The West is united and resolved. We're ready to impose severe sanctions on Russia if it further invades Ukraine. But I say again, Russia can still choose diplomacy. It is not too late to de-escalate and return to the negotiating table. Yeah, so Biden's policies drove oil up to like almost $100 a barrel, which is the, one of the chief, or chief exports and revenue sources for Russia. I'm sure they're really scared about your sanctions, Biden. So moving on to the fake news, they sure had a productive week staying fake and living up to their names. Developments on the Durham story broke this Saturday, and there were some bombshells in there. But here was the coverage for the next three days, one day after another, just, just flew on by, not saying one word. But when they did... They started covering it a couple of days ago, and here's what they had to say about the whole thing. I spent yesterday reading through this stuff, reading through Durham's indictment seriously. I don't know for hours who wrote that because it was gobbledygook. This is dangerous disinformation. It's pointing a finger at Hillary Clinton. It's it's lying about her. It's claiming she may be engaged in criminal activity. This data all came from 2016. This was Obama White House data. That fact alone makes the whole thing ridiculous. Hmm. 
nothing to see here. Just, you know, it is what it is. Just a reaction we probably all expected. But Vice President and Editor at the Media Research Center, TechWatch, Dan Gaynor, is here. Dan, so you have a private firm that had access to the White House, some of, and some of them went out and got access to Trump Tower, illegally, mind you, basically was spying, dare I say, on the President of the United States, Hillary took it, gave it to the CIA, FBI, and some, maybe some other agencies, selectively, mind you, and then they formulated a false narrative to incriminate the president for something he didn't do? Is that, that, that shouldn't be a problem at all, right? Yeah, I can't see why anybody would object to that. Uh, I mean, we're watching, going through here, basically, the media bias meets uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages of death and dying. You know, the first stage in their case is total denial. Oh, it didn't happen at all. There's, no, there's nothing here at all. We're not going to pay any attention at all. We're just going to ignore it. That's it. And, uh, oh, it happened, but, oh, it's not real. You've got to downplay it. Then, they're, then they move to going to on the attack. They'll eventually work their way over to acceptance that it actually really exists, and then they'll have to deal with it. Yeah. And, you know, but the biggest scandal in American political history yeah. was, the, you know, Watergate. This is, if it plays out the way it's written, this is in orders of magnitude worse. This is not just a, yeah. you know, hack of a campaign. This is involving a White House. That's something that foreign spy agencies do. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, does it rise to, I've heard some people compare this to espionage and treason. Hillary broke her silence about this finally. Um, this was just a couple of days ago. She tweeted out this ridiculous vanity affair. You'll never believe it, but Hillary Clinton did not, in fact, spy on Trump's White House. I mean, it, and then she had this to say yesterday. Listen to this. It's funny, the more trouble Trump gets into, the wilder the charges and conspiracy theories about me seem to get. The fact that she's being put up on a podium anywhere, Dan, is ridiculous to me. But, I mean, all conspiracy, right? Turns out, like, there's pretty hard evidence here. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else... You know, the media who have denied this so many times, it's it's almost beyond counting. Go back to Leslie Stahl in 60 Minutes. Oh, you know, there's no, there's no, she's starting to see there's no evidence. She said there's no hard evidence. You, right. know, the, you know, that's, oh, can't say there's no evidence because there is. And then, you know, there, no evidence, no evidence, it's lies. They repeated this so many, so many versions of this narrative. Mm. And now they've got to contend with this. You know, this goes against this. This undermines their foundation for everything they've done for six years. Oh, Russian collusion. Well, it turns out if there's Russian collusion, it may, in fact, be a manufactured Clinton thing, just like the Steele dossier. Right. And the press, they, I, literally, it's just a house of cards yeah. for everything they've said about Clinton. It was all and garbage. It, it was all garbage. These people just tried something, they got caught, and now they're in spin mode. But I want to talk about the Freedom Convoy. Now, protesters over in Canada, just like more hypocritical trash talking, I take. I, I let, Listen to this. I know it sounds familiar to you, right? A threat to democracy, uh, an insurrection, sedition. Yes. They've become what they hated. They've become what they mocked. I mean, it's a... Cult. The longer they stay, the more they do inspire others across the globe. This would spark off a worldwide rebellion um, of angry people with industrial machinery. Ooh, now do Black Lives Matter that burnt down $2 billion worth of our cities. I mean, where were they on that, Dan? 
Yeah, well, let's let's not downplay what Black Lives Matter and Antifa did. That was that one to two billion dollars number was for two weeks for riots that went on for months. And, you know, we're talking about looting, arson, you know, murder on uh, federal property. Yeah. Uh, Besieging besieging a federal courthouse, you know, supposedly a riot that takes place for a couple hours in Washington attacking Mm -hmm. the Capitol is an insurrection, but besieging a federal courthouse and trying to burn it down with people in it, that wasn't an insurrection. Nothing to see here, nothing to see here. Vice President Netter at Media Research Center, Dan Gaynor, appreciate you joining us. Thank you. All right, see you soon. Remember when they said 14 days to flatten the curve? Any guesses on what day we're actually at? Stay with us as we break down all the ways the left tried to make conservatives look like the conspiracy theorists that actually turned out to be right all along. All right, so let's recap the last 750 days or so of 14 days to flatten the curve. The ones screaming the loudest for the last two years about following the science, they don't follow the science. The institutions that we have supposed to have trust in have completely been compromised by an agenda for a government to gain more control. Even now in the face of literally everything, they can't admit it. Everything, many conservatives that were, we, we were blasted about, we were called conspiracy theorists, they're actually coming true. Colossus masks don't work. Even the mask crazy doctor on CNN admitted it. Cloth masks are not appropriate for this pandemic. It was, it's not appropriate for Omicron. It was not appropriate for Delta, Alpha, or any of the previous variants either because we're dealing with something that's airborne. You and I have been sitting on our couch saying this for two years now, and they're just coming around to it. Vaccinated people can get and pass on the virus. The death rate is actually comparable to the flu. Chris Hayes said this. Most people are entering hospitals with COVID, not from COVID. And natural immunity is, in fact, better than the vaccine. Even Fauci finally admits this. And lastly, children are not at even moderate risk of this. Schools should remain open in person. And COVID is an illness. It's not the end of society. Folks, the people elected and tasked with managing and even covering this entire COVID scenario, they failed. Everybody failed. And now many are doubling down on their failed policy to cover their own behind. Fauci, Trudeau, Joy Behar, whatever. We need to resume some faith in these institutions. And I fear the only way to do that is you need to hit a giant reset button on who is making those decisions and who's spreading that information. That is the only way to get back to normal. Folks, thanks for watching tonight. I'm Carl Higby. Remember to watch me Saturday and Sunday mornings starting at 7 a.m. Eastern. We'll see you there next time. Stinchfield is next.